0: Start to put tension on my string, draw back. I was like, okay, I'm gonna smoke.
1: It's him. You can look at the horns when he's dead. I'm, I'm in, you know, in the zone. Let the arrow go, just perfect. Uh,
2: when they lose their front shoulders and yeah, we start. Yeah, that's how you know there's smoke.
1: Went about five, ten more yards. He probably went 20 yards. To a little tipped over, tried getting back up. And I saw him fall over. We rough scored them here in the garage that night.
0: We got like 156 and something like that. And then what we did the next day, we came up to
1: 163 even. You're listening to the White Cat Outdoors podcast, bringing you to the table where we talk about the outdoors.
0: What's going on, everyone? It is episode 56 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast, and once again, I am coming to you from a cell phone. Nick and Tom are in studio, though, as they always are.
1: It's like a makeshift studio tonight. Yeah, we little emergency studio, if you will. Yep, in yeah, Nick's bedroom.
0: Yeah, last week, I well, it actually wasn't last week, it was just like a couple of days ago, uh, I found out mom has COVID, so... Since I've been hanging out with her, you know, uh, I figured we better not be all in studio at the parents' house, hanging out at the bar and hanging out around me. So I gave you guys the, all the equipment and I'm calling in on the phone. So it's just one of the many COVID obstacles that everyone's been having to deal with. Have you been having any
1: COVID like symptoms?
0: No, nothing. I've been totally fine.
1: Good deal. It's it's, it's good stuff. Uh, Well, I hope your mom feels better soon. Um, you know hopefully we can get through this quick and we'll be joining each other back in the studio in no time.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Everything will be good. She like hasn't really shown a lot of symptoms. She had like one day where she was feeling kind of sick, so other than that she's been good. We're good. So I'm sure next week we'll be back in the studio doing her normal thing. Good Look forward deal to it.
1: It's uh it's yeah. kind of funny that uh we actually are going virtual like bringing you in from uh you know, you're not physically in the studio with us because it was actually, works out perfect for what we're going to talk about today. Um, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know if you want to let the listeners know what we're going to get into tonight, uh, and we'll just roll right into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, everybody knows that, you know, show season's coming right up. We got, you know, the next couple of months should have been filled with shows, like ATA, Harrisburg, all your typical shows that everyone's going to, but... uh. They all got canceled, I don't know how long ago. Harrisburg got canceled, like, back in October or something. It was a long time ago. Um, So everyone kind of put the kibosh to show season, but ATA is going on all this week. Well, it'll be over by the time we release this, but ATA is going on. But they went to all virtual. Like, everything is, you know, via computers, everyone's putting videos out. Like, it's all, like, a live stream sort sort of deal that they're all doing. So...
1: Yeah, and you actually have to be a, a member of ATA to even um, look at the booths or anything right now. It's still, it's run the yeah, same way. it's basically way.
0: exactly the same thing as the regular. If you were to attend the show, you have to be an ATA member and stuff. They just made it all virtual instead, just so they could at least do something and still have all the new product reveals and stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the biggest challenges I noticed, um, which was actually why the reason we're going to do what we're doing tonight, is... Uh, you know, typically ATA, there's a lot of media outlets that show up at the event um, and can let the consumer know what new products are coming out because ATA is not a consumer show. Um, so yeah. the only way somebody has any, like any way to know what's there is by videos um, and podcast companies there and promoting the new products and talking to these business owners, um, which because it's all virtual, there's not really much of that going on this year.
0: Yeah. Normally like, the first cut like every day of the show there's like non-stop people cranking out youtube videos and new products people testing stuff out different people going to different booths talking to different people and this year there's still a little bit of that but it's definitely not near as much it's definitely a lot harder to look at the new products if you're not actually you know on the live stream you know like it is most years
1: yeah it's been difficult so what we did is um kind of did all the legwork for everybody and did some research, figured out what new products were being launched this week. Um, and we're just going to bring them out to everybody in just one simple platform. We're going to talk about, oh, a handful of different products that are being released this week. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of just because, I mean, it's it's tough to look it up because, you know, like I said, there's no YouTube videos out there um, besides Lancaster Archery has put out a few um, yeah, they've
0: been like pretty much the only consistent one that's been putting out videos every time they're looking at something new. They've are they're put, yeah. they put four or five videos up already, and it's only two days into the show. Yeah. So I'm sure they'll keep cranking them out the rest of the show.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and like anybody, most people probably understand, ATA is the Archery Trade Association. So all the products we're talking about today um, are d- – Pretty directly related to archery, but obviously, like tree stands and stuff, um, can be used Mm -hmm. for rifle and stuff. Um, So I guess we'll we'll start it off with just uh, some of the new um, archery, like the bows and crossbows. Um, And I don't, I think I'm not sure if Tom's aware of everything we're going on tonight. So it'll be good to get a first look impression um, from Mm -hmm. Tom, um, which I think was that I kind of wanted to do on purpose because. it's just it's nice to get that first first look feel um, yeah, for the exactly. listeners and stuff because he hasn't had time to really look at him too hard and just kind of give you the same feel that most people will have when they hear this information for the first time as well. Yeah. Um,
0: so we could just lie to Tom all night and tell him about all this new crazy yeah. shit that's coming out. <laughs> it's crazy. It's real. <laughs>
1: yeah, a 50-pound bow that shoots 400 feet per second. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> You're going to love this, Tom.
1: It's be so, wild. Um so I guess to kick things off, um we'll start with uh, Hoyt, which just this week released um their new carbon series bow, uh the RX5, um which I mean is in progression with the RX4 um from last year. Um basically Hoyt's been probably I would say the leader in carbon bows, um mm-hmm. which comes with a price tag um it's $1, $1700 sure. bow, but you know is that, that just that's bare, bones bare, bare bow. bow, yeah. But, you know, guys, I see guys shooting carbon bows at the pro shops all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. But just to give you guys some specs on that, uh, it's um, 342 feet per second, is the IBO speeds. Um, It's 30 30 inches axle to axle, which is pretty short, but I prefer a shorter bow for hunting. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's got a six and a quarter inch brace height, which is moderately forgiving, I would say. Um, And it's coming Mm -hmm. in at 4.4 pounds.
0: Um, and honestly for a hunting bow like when they talk about how like unforgiving the shorter brace heights are as far as hunting bows go you're not really going to get that tweak that people are so worried about at 20 yards like you can make a lot of mistakes at 20 30 yards
1: it's, hunting it's, distances really like, yeah at
0: hunting distances you're not really going to notice that unforgivingness of that short brace height it's not until like if you're shooting like if you were to get you start getting out to 70, 80, 100 yards is where you're going to start to notice how it's unforgiving. But for most people in like a whitetail situation, you would never notice a, that short brace height. So, you know, what it would take away from you.
2: Quick question I have no idea what you're talking about as far as brace height and okay, being so that it's forgiving.
1: The brace height is the distance between the riser and the string. Um, when it's and it, down all the way, yeah, when it's down all the way, it's six and a quarter inches. Um, Now, the bigger that number is, the longer that distance is, the more forgiving um, the bow is when it comes to accuracy and, um, you know, minor faults in your uh, form. When it's, you know, something like five inches, um, it's less forgiving. And the reason being is that your arrow is on the string for an extra two inches, Um, meaning like so the there's the arrows in contact with the bow longer, um, which means your form has to be perfect for that much longer. Um, Like Frank said, you can have a lot of mistakes at 20 to 30 yards that are never going to show up. Um, But when you start getting into the target world where you're shooting, you know, 70, 80, 90 yards, um, those tendencies can be reflected pretty uh, great. But um, one of the biggest, I guess, innovations that I noticed with the new uh, Hoyt RX-5 was the uh, stabilizer and where it's mounted. So every... um, The RX-5 is going to come standard with a a 2.5-inch stabilizer. Now, that doesn't sound very impressive until you start looking at where it's located. Um, Basically, they've moved their stabilizer, which they have your standard stabilizer mount, but they've added an additional one to the bottom of the riser. Um, And it's 2.5-inches, which, because of where it's at at the bottom of the riser and how far it's sticking out, um, it's equivalent to a 7-inch stabilizer mounted. Um at your standard area where all of the other bows are at um so with quite a bit less weight and um bulkiness they've achieved um something pretty. i think is pretty cool i mean i don't uh, i haven't shot Hoyt, but we're just going off of specs and what they've released but i don't yeah, know it's
0: if- definitely an interesting idea because like you said you get with you subtract a bunch of weight you have a you could have a seven inch stabilizer or a two inch stabilizer if you're using it for a hunting bow, it's something that you're going to be holding. You know, you could have to draw on a deer and hold for five minutes. It's nice and to carry it around. If you're going you know, out west, you yeah. don't want to have to carry any more weight than you have to. And,
1: and so. just the bulkiness of having a seven-inch um, stabilizer off the front of your yeah. bow versus exactly. uh, two and a half inch. Like if you're if you're somebody that hunts in ground blinds, um, which mm-hmm. a thirty-inch bow is perfect for that anyway. Um, it's just mm-hmm. just way more compact. So I was pretty. I I thought that was pretty innovative. Um, It was probably the most impressive uh, feature that I noticed on the new bow.
0: Yeah, and I've definitely never seen another bow that implements a stabilizer really anywhere other than your classic position, just like a little bit below your hand.
1: Yeah. Um, Tom, do you have any remarks on the new Hoyt RX-5? I mean, it's tough, you know, without physically seeing
2: the bow, but I do think that having the two inch stabilizer located where this one is could definitely be an advantage rather than like Frank said, you're going to save a lot of weight if you have to hold it for a long time. If like you said, you're in a ground blind uh, with, you know, windows where you only have so much room, then it's definitely going to be an advantage. I think it's interesting. I'd like to see it personally to really understand yeah.
1: No, I get that. Yeah, it'll old, definitely be cool it'll to be get at your the pro shops. on it. And, yeah. Um, so I guess uh, the next compound bow uh, to talk about was coming from Expedition Archery. Um, they're not, I mean, they're they're big, but they're not, you know, I, I wouldn't put them in like the Hoyt Matthews PSE category, um, mm-hmm. but they kind of shook things up this year big time um, by introducing a hybrid um, or alloy or new alloy Um, riser to their bow Um, they're calling it x or xloy which is by magnite Um, and basically it's a new alloy of aluminum with carbon infused uh, into the aluminum Um, and then they're um, press forged and then cnc machined uh, the risers and they uh, basically it is allowed for a lighter riser than your carbon bows um, but I don't know it's in, but it, it's got the, um, uh, the stability of an aluminum bow. It doesn't have all the, uh, shock that your carbon bows typically have.
0: Mm, and I've never shot a carbon bow before I've held them and I could definitely see where you would like just holding it. I could definitely tell that you would feel more shock just because of the material that it's made of. So, so is the idea so of a n-
2: carbon bow is to be lighter? Yes. Then, yeah. Okay, and what's, I guess, I don't, I don't know much about bows. What's the other bows typically made out of?
1: Aluminum. aluminum. So like 6061 aluminum is pretty standard. Carbon and aluminum, and the big advantage to carbon is the weight. Yes, but they're, you sacrifice uh, stability in a sense where there's a lot more shock, like hand shock in a carbon bow typically. Uh, Hoyt's done... Right, just makes
2: sense. It's so much lighter that there's not as much to absorb the
1: shock of... The string yeah. goes off, so now you have Expedition Archery coming out with their X series bows, that are a hybrid of the two. Basically, there's carbon fiber within, like infused in the aluminum, so you're lighter than aluminum, and you have, the, uh, stability. L- less, yeah, the stability exactly. Um, their bows they're going to be a little bit cheaper than carbon, but higher than an aluminum bow. Typically, your carbon bows are you know that 14. Sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars. Where this one's going to be right around twelve to thirteen hundred. Now, do yeah, you that's think that's
0: not bad? Because like you're talking with the Hoyt stuff, they're typically a little more expensive, and usually their stuff's more expensive because you're paying for innovation, you're paying for their next idea, and, it, and that's it's... exactly
1: what Expedition is doing this time. There's a lot of innovation in that, being that it's yeah, a brand new material. It's,
0: it's cool that it's still not like I mean, it's expensive bow, but it's not you know a seventeen hundred dollar bow. You're getting a you're getting all that innovation that you would normally jack the price up for for a little bit more reasonable price than some of the other bigger manufacturers
1: yeah exactly so that was another really cool uh bow that's hit the market that I think was kind of earth shattering I guess there it's people I mean for years on Facebook and forums and whatnot have been complaining that there hasn't been any innovation in newer bows and mm-hmm. and, and i and I can kind of agree to that because there's you know, we've been stuck at, for the most part, you know, 345 feet per second has been pretty standard for most companies, and there hasn't been any real yeah, new but that's innovation. Come fairly recently, yeah. But I'm saying in the last, like, people have complained that the last like three to four years, there's been very very little innovation in compound bows, and I feel like well, this year, even
0: if you look at it over the past like 20 years, like talking to my dad and like your dad about things that were like the new big. Innovation in archery when they were coming up shooting, you know, in the 90s. Then it went away. Like, I know the solo cam was a thing a long time ago. And then they. Yeah, dual cams was a thing. Yeah, dual cams was a thing before that. And then they were like, oh, it's better to have a solo cam. But now they're switching back to dual cams for almost any bow. So they kind of go back and forth and almost recycle ideas. They obviously put a new twist on it and make it better but they basically are just recycling a lot of ideas for the most part so it is cool to see when someone comes out with a totally brand new idea
1: yeah so like you said this is expedition archery is totally unseen it hasn't been used before so Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how that boat holds up um
0: yeah and that's another thing i mean i don't know anything about them uh and i obviously haven't seen them shoot because they're new but you never know like when someone comes out with a totally new idea, it could be a total flop or they could knock it out of the park. So it's, that's like one of those things where I don't like to be the first one to jump on the wagon and buy those sort of things just because you've never seen it before and you don't know how it's going to work.
2: It's probably good to wait. I shouldn't say good, but I feel like my dad was talking about it the other day where he would like to wait a year because in his mind that that first year, you know there's going to be some bugs that are unforeseen so yeah. say they come out with this bow in 2021 that first year there could be some bugs and hopefully by 2022 when their new model comes out all those bugs are worked out
0: yeah and you see that with anything across the board like i've been looking at buying a new carry pistol lately and you know every new gun that comes out a couple years ago is the sig p365 was like the carry gun, but then after, you know, throughout the first year of production, there were some issues here and there and people were complaining about stuff and then Springfield came out with the Hellcat to kind of combat and say you know, they're the next new big full-time carry gun and Sig had to step up their game and fix all of their stuff that they had wrong, so you get always get new ideas and people fixing their old ideas to stay with the people coming out with the new stuff, so it is nice to kind of wait and see what happens with those things and what what people have to say about them that are shooting them a lot.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, that was all I had for bows that were released this week. I mean, there was a few others, but I was, we're trying to stick with um, just the more innovative bows brought out. I mean, well, obviously Matthews came out with
0: Their yeah. new line of bows at ATA. Yeah, usually. those were,
1: I guess, in my opinion, the top two most innovative that i saw and i yeah. was gonna now move over to the crossbow world um and talk about the top two that i thought were innovative mm-hmm. in my mind um and because it was released first we'll start with the excalibur uh dual strike uh, have you guys heard mm-hmm. that one yet Mm-mm.
0: i didn't read much about I that i, know I the read the more about though. the raven one yeah so. so
1: yeah well excalibur dual strike is the first of its kind. Oh, is that the one that... Two arrows. Two... Oh. Yeah. No, it's got... It shoots two arrows. Yeah. Not... not at the same time. It's got two separate triggers, but it's got four limbs, two rails, two arrows. Is
2: this legal yeah, for I hunting? I didn't read about that. I one. have that's, no idea
1: if it's legal or... Because it's the first of its kind. It's basically a over-under shotgun, but for crossbows. Quick follow-up shot. And it's exactly what they're advertising. It's bang, bang. Two shots with the crossbow... They're like I said. They're the first of its kind. It'll be interesting to see if any laws come out with this. It seems. I mean, how? I, my thought is like, at what point is it no longer archery?
0: Yeah, that's how I feel about. It. I mean, it's a super super cool idea.
1: It's very innovative. And, I, I give them props for it. But yeah, at what po- sure. at what point is it no longer considered archery hunting?
0: Yeah, because archery is
1: it's primitive. You're
0: taking a step back, you're yeah, you're trying to make it more difficult you got to hone in on your one shot and make it count. You don't get to start flinging a bunch of lead in the air. You got to make that one shot count and it, like I said it's a super cool idea but I don't think it's like you're you're getting away from the roots of archery hunting at that point.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. Tommy. I mean,
2: I don't think you should just be flinging lead. I think in gun season you should still hone in on your senses and Oh yeah, totally one ethical shot. But I do the way I look at it is um you do hear of a lot more wounded deer in archery season. Which Mm -hmm. is definitely unfortunate. So I think if you can give people an advantage where they I think what happens a lot I don't I don't I think what happens a lot is you have people that aren't prepared to go into the woods, archery hunting that still take their compound bow and take yeah. shots that they aren't p- prepared to take and end up wounding deer. But I think if you give, you know, archery hunters that ad- an ad- extra advantage to be more deadly, which I think two back to back, I don't know, two back to back shots. Cause even though they are going, you know, let's just say oh, 320 feet per second. I don't know what the specs on this bow are. But as soon as you fire that first arrow and it hits the deer, it's going to be in a totally different position in moving when you fire
1: that second arrow. So, so I, mean, I, it, don't, I don't. And that, with that theory, it almost seems that that second arrow is going to be most likely unethical. You know, if you shoot, you know, you got a deer at 30 yards that you shoot once and it takes off running, I feel like you shouldn't be taking that second shot anyway, where, you know, you might get somebody that's going to throw another bolt out there. Yeah, I, I feel guess like it's not changed. really
0: for that situation because how many times have you, like, shot at an animal and missed? And, like I've seen it happen. I've done it. You shoot even with a rifle, and it just stands shoot, there. Yeah, that's just that's a good point. On. So instead of having to recock your bow and go through it, and I think it's more for that situation rather than shooting at a running deer after you just shot it because obviously that's not ethical at all to do with a bow. But I think it's more for that situation where you shoot and, oh shit, I missed and it's still standing there.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. I still don't agree with putting it in the same category as archery.
0: No, Um, (laughs) I don't either, but it's (laughs) just another, like I said, it's it's a cool idea and it's another innovation in the industry.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like crossbows, I feel like have advanced quite a bit uh, in the recent years, just with most states allowing them all of archery season. And I know New York is in the process of allowing crossbows for the entire archery season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other crossbow I wanted to talk about, which you guys both alluded to, uh, was the new uh, Raven R five hundred. Actually, I have three, two from Raven, but we'll start with the R five hundred, which this was extremely uh, innovative in my in my opinion. They have the first bow, crossbow, whatever I mean, in any bow to shoot five hundred feet per second, uh, and that's not a bullshit IBO rating that almost every archery or like bow manufacturer uses Raven's guaranteeing that your crossbow that you pick up will shoot 500 feet per second or more out of the box with the arrows they provide.
0: Yeah. I was going to say that because I was watching Lancaster Archery put a video up and he was talking to a guy from Raven and he said, you know, that is what the arrows that we recommend that you shoot out of this bow that we sell, you know, with it.
1: It comes in a package. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, they said, that is what we guarantee you will get out of it when you go into your backyard and shoot it that's not shooting like you said IBO that's yeah, not yeah it's not an out.
1: IBO speed that's a guaranteed speed which i yeah, thought was really impressive
0: arrow. like that's that's a legit speed yeah and i'm not at all a crossbow guy everyone you know we've all talked about yeah. it before i'm not a big crossbow guy but when i was watching the video with that i was I was impressed, not only because of the 500 feet per second, but just how compact the boat is. Three,
1: yeah, 3.6 inches fully cocked, and I believe it was—I think it was like seven inches uncocked. I mean, it's a yeah, very it was just compact. Yeah, seven
0: axle to axle uncocked and 3.6 cocked axle to axle.
1: Yeah, so I—I I think that's a really good innovation that still keeps you in the realm of archery. I mean. Obviously uh, there's advantages to crossbows, obviously, over a compound. Mm-hmm. Just like that's yeah. more or less where I was getting at where I yeah. think
2: crossbows would be great. It's tough to argue that a crossbow's not gonna be a little bit more deadly at thirty yards than yeah. a compound bow for and they're
1: shooting faster, you don't have to draw back. Uh there's less practice required um to be accurate. So and, like crossbows definitely have their advantage. Um but I feel like archery season some people like the challenge. A lot of us like the challenge. Oh, absolutely. But Raven, I believe, is still staying in the realm of crossbows. They've just come up with some technology that's allowed them to shoot at lightning speeds. Yeah. Uh, and, and what comes with that is a flat shooting arrow up to 50 yards, which is pretty impressive as well. That was what they were advertising mm. is that their their bolt will stay flat uh, out to 50 yards. That's insane yeah now that comes with a price tag I think it's it's north of three grand but
0: yeah it's pretty pricey. you're
1: like we talked about before uh you're paying for the innovation because like mm-hmm. I mean before that the fastest um bow was the f- fastest crossbow was rated at, like four hundred and forty feet per second and I don't believe that was a guaranteed speed out of the box
0: mm-hmm.
1: so uh the other yeah, they've
0: definitely stepped up the crossbow game big time with that. yeah it's no joke and not like i said i'm not a crossbow guy but i definitely give them big time props oh
1: yeah you can't deny how impressive that is yeah whether you're a crossbow guy or not just for the the technology involved whether you would ever want to hunt with it or not i'd like to shoot it i'd I'd, I'd be down to shoot it
0: yeah Um, i would definitely i've never in my life shot a crossbow before but i would definitely get down i would shoot i wouldn't hunt with it but i would definitely want to shoot it just to just to do it, just to see what it's really yeah.
1: like. I mean, you got to think. I think my dad was saying, like shotguns are at like twelve hundred feet per second. You're talking yeah. that. I mean, that's almost half the speed, which is extremely impressive, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But, yeah. Uh, Raven not only came out with that bow, uh, but they also came out with the R18 with vertical limbs. So you've we've all seen reverse limbs, uh, the uh, yeah you got reverse limbs, the parallel limbs. Uh, this is the first of its kind with vertical limbs on a crossbow. I have no idea how it works because there's literally no videos out yet. But the bow is the height; of it's only 1.3 inches tall, like uh, cocked, and uncocked is 4.1, and it's less than five inches wide all the time. Like it doesn't get. I mean, that, I don't know. I don't know any way there to explain it. It's instead of the limbs being horizontal on the plane that you're holding your crossbow they're vertical.
0: That's why yeah, I didn't see any pictures or anything of it. I I literally have no idea what to even think about that. Like I, it sounds wicked cool, but Yeah, I don't basically know what it so would the
1: limbs like. uh the rail is totally contained uh within within the bow. And the limbs come so You never have to worry about smacking off a tree to your side. Mm-mm. Nope. Yeah, so the limbs come across the top like Parallel to where your your rail would be, uh, and they all they do is when you when it's drawn back they bend down instead of like in or out like it just bends down so there's never like Tom said there's never any chance of it when like cause I mean if you hunt with a crossbow you understand that the limbs expand when you shoot so you have to be um, mindful of what's around you when you shoot and i've heard of
2: stories where people shoot their crossbow and a limb when it expands smacks off the side of a tree and their whole bow
1: blows up yeah that Mm -hmm. can't happen with this because the limbs come across the top of the bow so you're you can rest it on a surface like on a shooting stick or whatever and shoot it it's not gonna expand out or down it's just gonna be up like two inches so you just got to make sure there's not a stick two yeah, inches above you. Exactly. But if there's a stick two inches above you, you probably can't see through the scope. This uh, is true. Uh, the one drawback of this one is the IBO, or I guess it's not IBO because Raven guarantees their speeds, uh, is 330 feet per second. So you're right in there with a compound mm-hmm. on speed. So, But what that does achieve is, you know, somebody that can no longer pull back their compound, they're not going to be at any bigger advantage in the aspect of speeds they won't have to drop back though uh it's mm-hmm. but i i was kind of taken back by the speed rating but also this is brand new technology and i'm sure that they'll improve on it in the future because it seems oh, like yeah, a, it's sure a very year, interesting concept get
0: way hopped up yeah that was another thing that i totally forgot about I was uh and i don't even know if it's a thing on other crossbows but that uh the first raven that we talked about it has like uh, like an electronic thing that you can hook up. Yeah, the motor. It's like yeah, it's like a, a, an electronic motor that you literally just push a button and it cocks it. You don't have to have cables or anything to pull your bow back. Is or, that you know, an so option? Somebody...
1: Yeah, it's an option. So you yeah, can manually an, yeah. pull it back. Yep, you can man- and, and you can always override the motor with a manual uh, crank. Now theirs is on the side uh, with like an Allen key. So, But it can it can always be overridden by that. So yeah, you and have,
0: you can decock it with that. So if you have it cocked, you don't have to fire the bow. It, you can just hit the button and let it down.
2: Which I think is pretty good because there's a lot of shock and vibration that goes into those limbs. And if you hunt every day and you fire it every day, that's a lot of stress on mm-hmm.
1: those limbs. So if you can just release it rather than shoot it, I think you'll save yeah. yourself. And it's on a threaded system, so you can't you there's no worry of the mechanism malfunctioning it can't like break and it release halfway through it's on a thread so it's a, like a con there's constant tension going yeah, so somehow if it, if it,
0: all of the threads break at once it's yeah. not gonna yeah and what, fight, what i thought was
1: what i thought was neat about that electric um caulking device is it comes on and off very easily because I think they said it weighs like two pounds, which mm-hmm. two pounds isn't a lot, but there's a lot of guys that are shaving weight every way they can. Yeah. Uh, it's, it comes off. They didn't say exactly, but they said it comes off extremely quick. So I'm assuming some sort of like Dewalt battery style um, yeah. connection. And so you mm-hmm. could literally cock it at the truck, pop the battery off and put it in the truck and go mm-hmm. out hunting. If for some reason you have to re it because you know, you don't have your Excalibur, uh, twin strike, you know, and you have to send a second arrow, you could always crank it out in the woods, but you just wouldn't have the electric motor. So yeah. that's a good, thank you for bringing that part back up, White.
0: Yeah, I told, that was like one of the biggest things that impressed me about it was that you can decock it with that, I totally forgot to bring it up.
1: Yeah. So on that's all we had for like bows themselves. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about optics and what has come out in the optics world. Um, And I'm not a huge nerd when it comes to optics, but there was a few or two big things in optics that I really liked uh, that I wanted to bring up and see what you guys think. Um, The first one comes from Sig Sauer, which actually is the same manufacturer that Frank was talking about, the P365. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're the electro optics, and they're calling it the Zulu 6. And basically, it's a a set of binoculars, 10 by 42s but a gimbal has been uh, installed on the binoculars, so like with it's like integrated What's a gimbal. A gimbal is basically it eliminates wind movement and walking. So like you ever seen those videos of somebody like like on on a football field, and the cameraman has that huge contraption strapped to his chest with the camera, so he can run down the field and it stays smooth the entire way. Yeah. Basically, they've incorporated that gimbal into the binoculars. So when you're looking at something at long distance and you're moving or the wind blows you or something, your binocular stays stable while you're looking. So it's not like attached to you or anything. It's all integrated into it. So where you're holding and if you go to move, it stays, you know, stable right where you're looking, which I thought was pretty neat. I don't know if there's anything out there like that. Uh, but that's I've definitely for, never
0: heard of anything yeah, like that. Yeah, that's the first I've heard super, of it. It's super cool because, like, when you're trying to, like, glass a deer or something, because, like, around here where we have point restrictions, if it's out there a couple hundred yards, you try glassing it to make, you know, see if it's a legal buck before you pull the trigger on it. If you're kind of shaky or, like, you said, the wind's blowing, it's pretty tough to get a good look at its antlers that far away uh, if you can't stay steady. So, to have that tool, I mean, I've, I've definitely never heard of another. Optic manufacturer doing anything like that, yeah. So it's it's pretty sweet that you can yeah. And it's run off of just look a, into those more.
1: Yeah, it's it's run off of a single battery because the gimbal does. It's a electric component, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean obviously like if it's not powered up, they're gonna work like regular binoculars. Yeah, they'll
0: still function.
1: Uh, just not The like price that. tag on that was 800 bucks, which at first to me sounded crazy. But then when I was looking at prices of binoculars, they're really not that crazy. When no, you get into high end binoculars.
0: All. If you get a decent set of binoculars, you'll spend at least four dollars five, $600 for, I don't want to say a lower end of good, but, like...
1: More affordable, yeah.
0: Yeah, but, like, the, you'll still get a decent binocular, but you're not, you know, Swarovski's you'll spend $2,300 on. Mm-hmm. So, it, the, for it to be $800, that's not like, holy shit, I can't believe they're asking that. That's a pretty reasonable price point for a decent optic.
1: yeah. Uh, the other optic uh, component, and this is more like a camera, but it goes with optics. Um, and it's the Tacticam Spotter LR. And it's a camera that attaches to all spotting scopes. Basically, they've come up with um, in an array of, I guess, fitments that come with it that'll attach to, they say, any spotting scope. And it allows you to. Or re-
0: like get your camera looking down through. Yes.
1: It. But what it does, like what it does, is this camera records in 4K, which is the highest. The, I think there might be some 5K stuff out there. But like the Sony Alpha 7, which is a uh, like $2,000 camera, is shooting in 4K. Mm-hmm. So this opt, this camera allows you to record through your spotting scope, you know, 700 yards away, and have like a crystal clear image of what you're seeing. Um, for recording purposes or just to ease your eye strain so you're not staring yeah. through optics the entire time. And yeah, you that, definitely
0: have a lot of eye strain looking through those higher magnification optics because most spotting scopes are like 60, 80, 100 power. Yeah. So you definitely strain the shit out of your eyes looking through them all day. So mm-hmm. it'll be able to lean back and just look at your phone definitely would eliminate all of that eye strain. I should say all of the eye strain. But, but quite
1: a, a bit of it. Of it. And there's actually a four time zoom on the camera as well, so you could actually dial it in even just a little bit more. Um mm-hmm. and then it takes a hundred and twenty eight gigabyte memory card. Which so you can record a lot of
0: yeah
1: film on that. Mm-hmm. And what shocked me with this is the price was three hundred dollars for this device. And I mean that's that's putting you in like your just your top end GoPros. Oh, and it for just, sure. It just it. I was extremely impressed by that price and how they're achieving that. So it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. how that gets used this year.
0: Yeah, and I've seen other like devices that you can like attach your phone to, uh, mm-hmm. spotting scopes and stuff. But I've never seen a camera built specifically for that. So it, yeah. it'll definitely be interesting to see how it works out. And I, I've never even used one like just for your phone on spotting scope because I don't own a spotting scope but they're definitely really neat as far as, like you said, recording because a lot of people out west that are recording hunts and stuff if you're shooting an elk at 600 yards you're not going to zoom in with your phone or whatever camera you have unless you've got a really, really good lens on your camera you're not going to zoom into that 600 yards to get a good look at what you're shooting, you know, if it's an elk that's 600 yards away so to have that on your spotting scope would just alleviate you spending a whole lot more money on a really 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 good camera to be able to film that
1: hunt exactly so moving away from optics the uh, last category I was looking at was uh, tree stands and I guess elevation devices if that makes sense Uh, so first off was uh, summit came out with their watchtower ultra which is a 10-foot tripod And now, obviously, there's lots of tripods out there, um, but they always, to me, seem like they come with a pretty hefty price tag. And Mm -hmm. because I've, there's a couple field edges and stuff that tripods would work really nice on the farms we hunt, but I just never could justify spending, you know, almost $1,000 on these tripods. Yeah,
0: it's tough to pull the trigger on something that costs that much money. Like, I don't mind spending that. On, like, a mobile setup, something you could take anywhere with you and set it up in a you know, literally any situation you want. But to drop that big money on something that's gonna stay in one spot and be a pain in the ass if you wanna move it somewhere, yeah, kinda sucks.
1: So, what was awesome for me is this baby's coming in at $279. That's and nuts. yeah, and so it's got a 360 swiveling uh, mesh seat, so super comfortable. Um, but the one thing that's always aggravating is that those seats get chewed up by squirrels and other wildlife mm-hmm. so quick. And they've come up with a quick disconnect system that you can just pack the seat in and out each time you want to go. I mean, it's optional. You could leave it out there for the squirrels I'm sure if you, you want. You just buy a new seat. You could yeah. buy a new seat, but this gives you the option to pull it, and all you have to do is walk in with your seat on your back and snap it in, and you're good to go. So that'd be nice too in the winter times. So you don't get there yeah when your seats exactly frozen. So I thought that was a neat little feature because we've got some tripods up at the farm that the seats are bolted to the to the platform, you know, mm-hmm. and they suck at this point because they're 20 years old. The bearings have worn out. They wobble really bad. So th- mm-hmm. it was pretty pretty neat idea, and just the fact that it's under $300 was a huge advantage to me.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with Tom. The most convenient thing about it is that you can take the seat, you don't have a wet ass when you go sit down. You know, in the winter time, it's not all full of snow because you walk out and like there's melted snow or rain. The seat's all wet. You don't want to sit down in it because then you're going to be freezing because you're soaking wet. So to be able to take the seat back out with you and have a dry seat every time you walk in is convenient.
1: Yeah, uh, and then the other tree stand, and this is actually more of a company that I had just heard about due to ata and it's uh true north tree stands i don't know if you guys are familiar with them No, I've never um, heard of them. they're in the realm with you know your welded um expanded metal tree stands so they're mm-hmm. i mean they're not the uh they're not cast aluminum they're not water jet or anything like that so they're at more of an affordable price um but what they did that's coming out this fall they released it but it doesn't it's not going to be for sale or available until the fall of 2021 is a double man lock-on yeah, you heard it. What? Yeah, five hundred pound capacity, wild. lock on, two separate seats, same platform. It's like forty three inches wide. <laughs> it's it sounds crazy, and but what was even crazier to me was that it's got basically all of True North tree stands have a quick connect bracket similar to the Millennium tree stands, mm-hmm. so you can have these brackets anywhere and carry the stand in, and now my How first. Heavy is it? that that's where we're getting at now it's heavy I, like it's a two-man lock-on but it's yeah. I right around 40 pounds which it's heavy but i was surprised by that weight to be honest because yeah. it's 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 not like a bench style seat either it's got two bucket seats with armrests and like mesh backs mesh bottoms and like mm-hmm. a footrest out front. So I mean, it's a very luxurious... It just
0: kind of like fold up?
1: Yeah, folds up flat hmm. and you pack it in like sideways. Hmm. But it was pretty impressive, I thought. Because I mean, I hate ladder stands because I feel like it's... I don't, I, I, feel like it's impossible to be hidden in a ladder stand. like mm. I, Unless you're like tucked into a pine tree and I guess putting a 40-inch wide platform up in the middle of a tree probably isn't exactly... Hidden either, but pretty innovative for a double man uh, lock on. Yeah, for sure, it's and another th- new idea. They're calling it the Mentor, I believe, and basically, no, I was
0: literally going to say that. That sounds like it would be good for like a dad and his kids. Yeah. you know, to go out. It wouldn't be something like me and you were going to go sit in. Yeah, it, it would definitely Very nice be for more. filming. Yeah,
1: and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, filming. And then the biggest thing for me was first time I read that. Because all three of us do a lot of mobile hunting, my first thought was, how the hell am I going to hang that? A 40-pound stand, you know, hanging from a tree, like, how am I supposed to, like, get mm-hmm. this thing hung? Even with that easy-hang bracket, that's a lot of weight to hold with one arm, trying to get that in that uh, fill-up. Yeah, sure. But what they've come up with is a pulley system that mounts to the bracket. So, essentially, it is like a pulley that has, like, a rope system, basically, where you can just pull it up once you get up to your tree and it helps lock it right in place so like you don't have all of the weight just in one arm. So it, it it'll be interesting. But
0: yeah, that's that's another one of those ideas that I think I'm going to want to see it for a couple of years before I
1: Yeah, and and, I, and I'm not saying I don't it. think we have at this point a whole lot of use for a double man lock on. No, um, because I mean, you can put two lock-ons in a tree, but if you want that sense of security right next to your kid you know, you're in the same stand right there. I think it'll be really cool for that. And their leveling system is pretty neat for them. Um, Instead of the like slide in the I-beam, they're basically the V bracket that is on the bottom of the platform that would connect to the tree on your standard Mm -hmm. tree stand, that's on like a slide with uh, like a shear pin. Essentially, so you can move it out kind of like the extension, like the brace okay. that's on your ladder stand that goes to the tree. Yeah, it's essentially that, but at the bottom of your platform, and it seemed to work mm-hmm. pretty slick. So, hmm, a little bit, wild. yeah, a little innovation there. I was pretty impressed with.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's something that we like used to make jokes about is having like a double lock on, like we'd be putting up a ladder stand and talk about how we would rather carry in a double lock on instead of carrying a ladder. In, yeah,
1: but. one. that's the other thing. You know, people, like, yeah, 40 pounds is a lot, but I don't know if, if anybody's ever moved a double ladder stand into the woods. It's
2: a lot more than 40 pounds. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so when you look at it in that uh, aspect, it's extremely lightweight for what you have. Yeah. So, and on,
0: for rifle hunting, I like having a double ladder stand just for me. It's nice if you're going to be sitting there all day to have the extra space to set your backpack or extend your legs a little bit if you're going to be sitting there all day long so in that aspect you can hunt it by yourself and it's a lot easier to carry around by yourself than a lad- double ladder stand
1: yeah. this is true so it'll be interesting to see that the only thing the drawback on that and I, I don't know i didn't look into it too much but true north tree stands only have a one year warranty on their mm-hmm. stands which I honestly, I don't know what I know, like our cast and our water jet stands that we use are lifetime, but I honestly don't yeah. know what the, like the welded great stands are typically for their warranty. So when I'm used to my mobile setup, that's a lifetime warranty. The one year warranty really shocked me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, millennium oh, yeah, has, a, I don't know either. That
0: could yeah. be standard. For I know millennium is three
1: years, but mm-hmm. I don't know what summits is. I, I mean, like I said, I can't imagine it failing after a year. But no. it was a little concerning to me and I figured it was uh, worth throwing out there for everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: So mm-hmm. those were I guess the main innovations that I saw so far. Like I said, it's been tough to try and pull the material out for everybody. And like I said, we've skipped over a few things that were released, but I'm trying to just hit the big ones that you know mm-hmm. kinda had the woe factor. So yeah. um it'll be Did exciting to see. Factor? The woe factor, yeah, like whoa. I'm more of a wow factor. A wow factor. Tom, are you a whoa or a wow guy? I've never heard either. You've never you've
0: heard someone say wow factor?
1: You've yeah. never heard of the wow factor or the whoa factor? No. You're
0: crazy, you're, dude.
1: You're crazy. I like you, man, but you're crazy.
0: crazy.
1: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that wraps it up for what I've seen for ATA. Uh, Frank, do you, is there anything else you were poking around that was interesting to you?
0: No, not really as far as products go. It was like you said, it's tough to find the information. Lancaster Archer's been doing a really good job of putting videos up, so it'll be interesting to see what they have up for the rest of the week. But definitely a big shout-out to the people that ran the ATA show this year. I'm sure that was quite a logistical nightmare to have it be all virtual. So that was definitely yeah super innovative and a huge feat and awesome for the people that were planning on going to ATA because it, like you know I go to Harrisburg every year. It sucks that it's canceled, and it's a big bummer. So, for people to try to keep the shows going through all of this is—it's a nice thing to see, even yeah. though and it's you, a really shitty year for all of it.
1: Yeah, and you—the way they broke it up is—you know, when you, anybody that's gone to a, a consumer show or outdoor show is, everybody is online according to their booth number, and then they usually have like a map drawn out of like what booth number is where and who's there. So when you go onto the ATA website, basically everybody still has their original booth number that they had reserved, but when you click on the booth number, it sends you to like a live webcam of that person. Mm-hmm. So basically you're getting the same effect. You can, you know, stroll through, you know, the bow alley and click on which ones you want to look at, talk to the people. So it's it's really really impressive what they've done to keep the yeah, the trade shows alive because I hate to see these disappear due to this pandemic
0: yeah definitely it's it's really relieving that they are trying their best and i'm sure they won't be canceled forever i'm sure this is gonna you know lighten up hopefully next two weeks year. to flatten Everything the curve folks
1: to...
0: <laughs> yeah two weeks <laughs> but hopefully by next year all this will be pretty much gone by the wayside as you know we'll be able to go back to shows and stuff but
1: yeah, as our good friend trevor would say we'll laugh about it later
0: we'll definitely <laughs> laugh about it later But yeah, honestly, that's probably the coolest innovation in my mind about ATA this year. It's not anything that's going on at the show. It's just the fact that the show is
1: going on. Adapting to the times. Yeah, definitely. So, well, folks, thanks again for uh, joining in. And I hope this helped you guys out because I know I always look forward to YouTube during ATA week because everybody's out there talking about the new products. And I just – I don't buy all the new products, but I love seeing the new stuff that's out there and – We're hoping that maybe this will help you guys see what's new out there and what we found interesting, hopefully you guys will too. So until next time, make sure you guys are getting outside.